Hello and welcome to the ACA Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting. If you would like to attend this meeting live, go to adultchildren.org and click on online meetings and then scroll down to find Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. I'm happy to introduce our speaker tonight, Melissa from Miami, Florida. Thank you everybody for your Zoomy welcome. Uh, my name is Melissa and indeed I am very much an adult child in recovery. I live in Miami, Florida and I just wanna take a moment um, to begin with a little space for myself because it's a big deal to come on here and speak. And um, they give you a wonderful, really helpful uh, guidance thing, which is wonderful uh, for me, but it's also, it's a little, it's a bit of a leap because I know I'm speaking to people all across the country and, you know, this fellowship is big and wonderful. And, um, and honestly, I just want to express my gratitude in the beginning because I feel like I know you all. <laughs> I know my peeps here in Miami. Um, and I'm really grateful for everyone on the East Coast that's that's here because it's nine o'clock our time. And I don't know about you, but I'm in my pajamas in bed already, which is basically where I've been for a year with all of my ACA meetings. <laughs> I'm in the spot I'm normally in, which is sitting on my bed. Um, enjoying my meetings. Um, so I have been active, very active in ACA for, it will be, I started in August um, and it will be upcoming four years. I have worked the steps uh, twice and, um, and the program has changed my world. Uh, it has rocked my world. So in all of the best possible ways, better than anything else that I have tried. And I have tried, I, if I wrote down all of the variety of things that I have tried from alternative treatments to therapies, to uh, visits to ashrams, to travel, to geographics, you know, I mean, it would be a very, very long list of modalities that I have tried in my past. Um, I've, I just turned 53 and, and so I came to this, you know, to this fellowship when I was 49 and I have to say, I am so, so grateful for that. I feel like everything is in its right timing. Exactly. So one of the major gifts of the program for me is that I don't have to live with the second guessing and regrets anymore going back to the previous way that I used to live because it was very painful. It was very self-conscious. It was inauthentic and I'm not bashing myself in any way, shape or form because um, I didn't have the tools and I didn't know that I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the awareness and I was firmly, um, I was firmly in denial. And, you know, when you're in denial, it's, it's a wall, it's a cage. It's a, it's an impossible uh, steel <laughs> trap that I was not able to see through. Um, I couldn't, I didn't know that I was um, 
I knew I was suffering, but it was so much of it was the fantasy and the illusion that I was okay. And a lot of that did come from my childhood. So um, one of the questions they ask is, um, what was my reaction to hearing the laundry list or problem for the first time? And my reaction to hearing the laundry list for the very first time in my very first meeting in Brickell, downtown Miami, was just my draw, jaw dropping and hitting the floor. And my jaw didn't come up off the floor for three months. I was just like, I was going into the meetings and they were speaking with my exact voice, my exact life experience. And that was totally I have chills right now because that was so mind blowing for me to even know that, that there was, that I had company. I just, I didn't know that I had company and that there were, you know, oh, I mean, it was epiphany after epiphany just to know that there were reasons why I acted and felt and behaved and rea- and reacted the way that I did. And the relief in that alone was worth the price of the $2 per meeting admission, because like that alone was massive for me. I had no idea that I had you all. And, um, and then, you know, once my initial shock wore off, then it was really a lot of work. It was really, really, truly a lot of work. And I did it gladly. Um, because those epiphany moments kept coming and coming and coming. And so every time that I, you know, I've gone through the the big red book, we're actually in that um, one of my first meetings. And I, I did help start a meeting in Little River in Miami. And we are almost to the end of doing the actual entire red book, page by page, um, paragraph by paragraph. So we're actually, we're really far, far into it now. And, um, that's, that's been going for over three years. So we haven't even gone through the whole red book yet in over three years. And that's the way I like it because just taking it little by little by little, when I came to the program, I was in a big rush and I thought, okay, let me get a sponsor. I came from another program too, in recovery from drinking. So I was like, let me get a sponsor. Let me hit the, you know, let me hit the books here. Let me work the steps. And kindly and gently, the people in my home group acted as my foster loving parents. And they said, well, actually, we have a different approach here in um, ACA. And it's the slow down approach. (laughs) And it's the take your time and allow things to germinate and allow things to happen in, in their own um, kind of like they do in nature, you know, just plant the seeds and just let it like rest for a while and then see what comes. So that's been really, really helpful for me. Um, a little bit about, so I have wonderful recovery. I just, I love my ACA recovery and I go to, for a long time, I went to about five meetings a week. Um, a variety too, you know, the traits, I have a small group that we've been working together for years and we did the yellow book together. I've done a yellow book and a big group and I have two red book group meetings that I go to on, on the regular and I volunteer, you know, to chair meetings and to host and, and this and that. Um, 
So, oh, and to sponsor as well. So I also sponsor some people. That also has been a really good journey, sponsoring people. It's been excellent to sponsor people. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I know we never feel ready, but I highly recommend um, going ahead and sponsoring people once you've worked the steps. So um, actually, I think I started sponsoring when I was on step nine or something like that. So a little bit about my background. I um, yeah, it's, it, I lived so much in fear and all of that, uh, fear reaction is just based in my very unpredictable and insecure and sometimes unsafe childhood. The main things that I dealt with as a child, um, were being parentified. So I was my mother's mother in many, or at least that's how I felt that my role was to be her little counselor and to be her support system and her best buddy and to always be there for her um, was my big role as a child. Uh, my parents divorced when I was six. My dad, uh, I didn't understand it at the time at all. It wasn't so common to label people as alcoholic, but my dad was alcoholic and, and I didn't even know this is how distant my dad is from me. So that's the abandoning side of things is, is with my dad. Um, very obviously. So I didn't understand that he was alcoholic for a while. And I also, um, you know, I just didn't have him. I didn't have a father really. And I still don't to this day. So my dad is still, I called, I think I called him last week and he just doesn't call back. So that's very predictable on, on his part. Um, although we have had a couple little heart to heart conversations, but with him, it's such dribs and drabs. It's really, that was just lacking. So there was always that. Um, and he was that way, of course, with all of us. I have two older brothers. And then, you know, when they divorced and my mom and I uh, moved out and my two brothers stayed with my dad, then it became, quote unquote, me and mom against the world. And it was the 70s. I was born in 68. So it was the 70s. And it was very much about, you know, women empowerment. And there was a whole movement then. And my mom was a part of that. So, um, so I was also caught up in that, but I, the way it manifested for me as a kid is that I was, um, just, um, just left to be like, you know, that thing on TV, they did, they did back then called free to be you and me. I was just like a little, kind of a little hippie kid, I guess, who just, I was a latchkey kid, you know, no, I very rarely had supervision. Um, I could basically do what I wanted. I was responsible for my own self, getting to and from school for most of my years in school. Um, and, you know, the whole thing. I mean, I, I basically, I learned to feed myself, to shop. Uh, mom was totally caught up in her career and her private life, which um, she exposed me too much to. Um, I was overexposed to things very young. So I was overexposed to 
um, things that were age inappropriate. And that was really, that definitely had a big impact on me too. So when it came to doing the step work, um, I always say in my small group, we're, we're like co-sponsors, you know, there's, there's, um, there's five of us and we're like co-sponsors. And so there's six of us actually. And, um, I always say it's when the rubber hits the road. And for me, that was really fourth step doing those lists of details of, you know, everything that happened and how, how I felt. And then through the process with that small group, there were some key things that happened for me in my recovery. Um, One of them was finding my inner child for the first year of recovery. I didn't, that sounded to me schizophrenic, to be honest. I thought it sounded very woo woo 1970s, you know, and I kind of had an aversion to some of that stuff. So, um, and, uh, of course I didn't know that that was my critical voice sort of poo-pooing, you know, the, um, the work that I needed to do, the work that, that was presenting itself to me. So, but somebody in my group, um, said that she appreciated her inner child, particularly even in the acting out moments or when the inner child felt very unsafe and then um, would revert to a lot of these, you know, maladaptive behaviors and so on. And I was like, you, it was like, because to appreciate my inner child for who she is was a huge connection point for me. It was a huge conversation opener for me with her. Um, She needed not just love, unconditional love, which itself is hard enough to to find for um, my inner child, but the appreciation aspect really opened up a key with my inner child or children, because I consider I have a young one and I have a teenage one. that um, helped the trust level between me and them. So yes, I do talk in that schizophrenic language now and I'm comfortable with it. And I love my inner children and I appreciate them on a daily basis. And I feed them a steady diet of affirmations basically as often as I possibly can remember. Um, another inroad that I had to my inner child, which, you know, really, really deepened my work in ACA is, um, I, uh, it was appreciation. And then whenever, when she was acting out, like, uh, for me, it's like getting rough with objects. I tend to be passive aggressive. And also I can have these like really strong moments of swearing and, getting rough with like, you know, stuff and every once in a while I'll break something or hurt myself um, when I do these things. And when I came to ACA, that was happening on a daily basis. And I was pretending that it wasn't any big deal or that it wasn't happening at all. And so another big inroad to my inner child was to be able to hear her in those moments and stop and say, what's, 
what's going on and what's wrong. And, you know, since I'm more on the passive aggressive side, because um, in my household as a child, my dad was absent and completely emotionally unavailable. So no emotions from my dad. Um, And then when I did see him or interact with him, and then with my mom, the negative emotions uh, were ignored or downplayed or just not allowed, you know, to, they weren't allowed. So I, I, as a child, I learned I had to act out sideways if I was angry or um, I manipulated to get my needs met as opposed to directly talking about things and discussing things and having um, disagreements and figuring it out. We didn't have any of that for me as a child, none of it. So, um, and I know that for sure, because I still live with my mom now, or I have, I've started reliving with my mom now years away from her, but now we live together and we share a, a house and some a business together. So I see the same pattern still happening. Now I say I live in a Petri dish because I get to, um, work the program tools actually in real time with the same patterns that were happening for me as a child. Um, so it's wonderful. So back to my, my inner child, when she's acting out, that's like this golden opportunity for me to check in with her and say, you know, um, where, where is this coming from? What is it that you're, that you're thinking about? What's what, what is it that you're self-righteous about? And she has such, I'm telling you, once I opened up to listening to her, as opposed to just trying to shut her up, she is very loud and she's very articulate. She has a lot to say. And I call her my true North because she's always right. She's literally always right. I can't think of an instance when, when she's not right. Is she appropriate all the time? No. (laughs) Do I, do I need to rant and be self-righteous and, and be, you know, and be, um, um, you know, rageful and furious at other people and so on? No, no. So this is where I started developing the tools of the loving parent. The loving parent for me is that voice of sanity and reason. And it, I do believe it comes from spirit or the spirit world or my connection to higher power for me. Um, and for me, it is a voice that questions things. So instead of um, reacting all the time out of fear that I'm not safe or that it's not okay, or that no one's listening to me, or um, second guessing myself, you know, doubting myself, feeling guilty, I call it auto guilt or insta mesh, you know, where these things, they just like, you know, it's, you just know it's wrong, but you go there anyway. And nowadays, I don't, I literally don't, I listen to the alarm bells of my inner child. And I take the time to listen. I mean, this is not perfection here. I don't work this perfectly, but this is generally what I do. And, um, and then um, I take appropriate action. So in the promises, what, or, or I think it's in the promises where they talk about, um, let me go there. Promises. Um, self-esteem will increase. Fear of authority figures will leave us people pleasing, um, intimacy grows, 
um, healthy boundaries and limits will become easier for us to set fears of failure and success will leave as we intuitively make healthier choices. So um, all of these lovely promises that sounded like Mars to me when I first came to the program, it literally sounded like another planet that I knew nothing about and I had never set foot on akin to like a foreign language that you hear. And it sounds like gobbledygook until you get inundated enough with it and you start to pick it out. So that's how it was for me hearing these promises when I first came to the program. Um, I just kind of thought, I think I had some hope, but I also thought like, no way, <laughs> no, no way am I, this is, you know, going to be me because it was so far out. Um, so when my loving parent voice comes in, it's something akin to clarity, um, not being in black and white thinking. So being more in that gray area where I can say, uh, uh, wait a second, I have choices here. So, um, and I can also take space for myself. So I question a lot of my old reacting behaviors with my loving parent voice. So my loving parent voice kind of says, really? Um, and if I have, if I, my harsh critical voice is, is kicking in and I'm, I'm feeling really time pressured and I say something to myself like, oh my God, you did it again. You're so stupid. That's when I can take, and, and again, not perfect, but that's when I can take a pause and I can say something wonderful to myself, like I'm perfectly imperfect or yes, I did time crunch myself again this morning and that's okay because that is an old habit that I have. And a lot of these old habits are really hard to break. So what I'm going to do is adjust my schedule slightly or let people know I'm going to be 10 minutes late to take off that pressure valve. You know, the loving parent kicks in and has discernment, which is another crazy word from the program that is like a golden key for me, like discernment. I can choose what I like, what I don't like. I can choose to say yes and no to things. I can, and this is a huge one. I can have a different opinion. You know, that affirmation, you can have a different, um, think about things differently than my family. That's gigantic. And for me, that really means my mom in my instance. So, um, so when she, this is again, where rubber hits the road. When my mom is freaking out about money or um, when she's freaking out, and by freaking out, I just mean she has a lot of fear. She lives in a lot of fear. I didn't learn all of this, you know, fear-based reacting in life and um, desperate, you know, fear of abandonment and desperate need to people please people and desperate need to be seen a particular certain way you know i didn't learn that out of thin air so i see it in action with my mom and now i have an actual voice in the matter and i say you know you 
are having, um, well, I, I work really hard on my communication skills so that I, I'm not ever pointing the finger at somebody if I can help it. So I'll say, I'll say something like, I see that you're thinking about this particular issue, let's say money, you know, a little differently than I am. And I tend to see things now more as the glass is half full and that I'm doing well with money and I'm doing okay. Um, you know, and so that's where I'm at today. You are entitled to have whatever emotions or opinions that, that you're having right now about money, because, you know, mom and I have a business together. It's an Airbnb business here. And so during the pandemic, she had many, many more fear moments over all of it than I did. Um, I had them too, but I was dealing with mine differently than she was. So that's why I'm saying it's okay to have reactions and responses that are different um, than my family's. And it's not a judgment of her. Guess what? I had like another huge aha moment was the affirmation. I am not responsible for my mother. I mean, let the heavens open and the angels sing, you know, it's like, whoa, because I literally know for a fact now that I am not responsible for my mother. And that is such a huge relief and a huge trust building thing with my inner child that I say, no, I got your back. I got you. I got you. I am the loving parent that you have been missing all of your life. Not that my mom's not loving. I'm not saying that. It's just, I need a different type of loving parent. I need a parent. My mother didn't represent the, a loving parent for me as a child. Um, she has what I could, what, I mean, I hate labeling people, but she has whatever, like narcissistic traits, you know, where it's, it just revolves around her. And she also is a hurt um, adult child who has not found a program and has not found a counselor and has not found the healing for herself. But again, that is her responsibility. So not mine. It's like a huge relief. It's a huge, huge relief. I can't even put it into words because that was so core to my being as a child was I even became a counselor as an adult. For eight years, I worked as a PTSD counselor. For seven years, I worked on psychiatric units. I found it all very fascinating. Um, I loved being in the helping professions, but a lot of that just stemmed from the fact that that's how I was conditioned, you know, as a child. So that balance was missing. I had no balance in that. I had no boundaries at all. Very, very difficult for me. Um, so you can imagine the type of friends and relationships that I attracted, <laughs> and I'm sure you might be able to identify with them too. So I've heard it so many times in the rooms. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I don't go back and regret my choices, um, and the mistakes that I made because I have developed a very profound sense of self-forgiveness. And it's okay to have made mistakes and learn. It's okay to currently make mistakes and learn. It's okay to be perfectly imperfect for the rest of my life. 
I feel so much more connected to my true authentic self now. And I think that's what allowed me to come on here and, and even be able to, to, you know, share with you all. Um, Oh, there's so many good questions on this list, really. Um, my major ACA tools that I use on a daily are definitely the affirmations. I use them very liberally and I use them in all circumstances. Um, they've even come into my dreams. I've been doing some dream work recently um, with a group of women. It's like a little workshop thing I'm doing. And in my dreams themselves, now that I'm like being aware and writing them down and stuff, it's astonishing how much I have help in my dreams. And I think my, you know, my dreams in the past were so much more, you know, tortured and fear-based. And, and now I have lots of helpers and people who tell me nice things. Um, I even had a, not my mom in my dreams, but I had a dream mom who was very helpful to me in saying how important I was. And I consider that to be my loving parent. So that even that comes out of my dreams. And to me, like I can't control my dreams. So for me, that's really proof that the program is very, very active and alive in my life. And um, that it's going to a very deep kind of cellular core to who I am um, level. Because dreams don't lie. You know, what's going on actually does come out in your dreams. And um, so, yeah. So for that, it's um, another one of those um, flag posts or, I don't know, like on a yardstick. You go, oh, yeah, that's so different than how it used to be. That's that's really different. It's really amazing. Um, let's see. So other things that I use, um, I also sponsor people, as I mentioned, that is very affirming to me. Um, I get a lot back from it in kind of a mirroring kind of way. I'm sorry, I'm hearing someone, if you could mute yourselves, that would be so nice. I'm just hearing somebody. Thank you. Um, and, um, and I get to practice the tools as a sponsor <laughs> the sponsorship in ACA is real different you know it's more of the fellow traveler model um so it's more like we're in this boat together and we'll figure it out together and this is what's worked for me and maybe it will be helpful to you um so steering clear of too much you know advice giving or um or have tos and need tos. That's another thing that's been really wonderful is moving away, like becoming aware of when I'm pressuring myself with have tos. Oh, I got to do this. And I have to do that. And, uh, you know, the accomplishment list of what I need to do today. And then I have this gorgeous, wonderful, loving parent voice that comes in and says, do we really need to do all those things today? Or can some of that be done tomorrow? And I pass that on to my sponsees as well. And another thing I do that's really helpful with sponsees is um, when their critical voice is loud and they're expressing it to me, I ask them really, I question them and say, is that true? 
Is that really true? Are you always this? And are you never that? Um, and, you know, just the barrage of, of negativity is pretty overwhelming. So it's really great to have somebody say, you know, is that actually true? And then what's the opposite? What would be the opposite of, um, oh, I'm not intelligent. Well, obviously that one opposite is I am intelligent. So I, I just say, well, if you want to write it down, you know, and, and say that to yourself, it's okay to say that to yourself. And another thing that works great with affirmations is to keep them present tense instead of, you know, um, um, like I think the inner child affirmations, hold on one second. They're actually kind of in the future. So on page 328, I changed it. So it says, okay, I love my inner child unconditionally. That's present tense. And then instead of, I will protect my inner child to the best of my ability, I just make a present tense. So all my affirmations I do, I protect my inner child to the best of my ability. I take time to just listen to my inner child and follow through on promises. I integrate my inner child into my life through play, creativity, and spirituality. And I take time to become my own loving parent. I just ground it in the present moment rather than say, I want it to be, or, you know, I pray it to be or something like that. It's like, no, 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 it's happening now. It's actually happening right now. And it's okay to say that and to um, ground it into my current daily experience, you know, because we find that emotional sobriety or I do on that daily basis, not some, not next week or not, you know, not when I've worked the steps all the way or anything. It's just like, no, it's, it's right now. And I also love the affirmations, which are, um, it's okay to. Oh, that saved me a million times over. It's okay. Just that alone is good. It's okay to make mistakes and learn. It's okay to be perfectly imperfect. It's okay to express myself and have other people react how they need to react. It's okay to put myself first. And I've also um, taken the word selfish out and I put self first instead. And that self first is okay, that that's the appropriate thing to do is to be self first. And that that's not, that's not a selfish thing. That's not a negative whatsoever. Cause all I got is me. I got me, I got my loving parent. I got my inner family going on here. And um, that's important. And that's actually the most important. That's the most important. So I am my own priority. So I use those it's okay affirmations a whole bunch. Um, another thing we do in my group, I just wanted to share. Uh, you know how we have the medallions for one year, two year. And yeah, I mean, because I don't drink, it's going to be great to pick up a medallion for five years on, you know, July 16th. Yay. But it, it's a little, it's a little awkward in ACA to, you know, like is my first meeting, my emotional sobriety date, because I don't have emotional sobriety. That's something that I, that I just uh, go for, you know, on a daily basis. I don't have it. 
I haven't achieved it. Um, and that's okay, you know. So what we do in my, what we introduced in my home group, um, one of the members said, Melissa, you deserve a medal because I was very brave once. I stood up to a bully. And I tell you, my heart was coming all the way out of my chest into my throat. And, you know, it was astonishing. It was really only this program that allowed me to stand up to this bully. And, um, and she said, you deserve a medal. And then she ordered me one, right? So this is my medal that she ordered for me. It just says first, it looks like an Olympic gold medal. You know, you can get them on Amazon, whatever. And so then we introduced it to the group my home group at Little River. And we were like, why don't we have these available? They're $3 each. And then if you have a big moment, like I do in my sharing with you all tonight, you just can, you know, this is like, for my little girl, this is the greatest thing ever is to be able to wear this. And I literally wear it all, I'll wear it all day tomorrow, because I shared tonight. Right. So tomorrow I'm going to wear my medal all day. It doesn't matter if I'm going to the Home Depot or to the grocery store or to work or wherever. And most people ignore it. But then I do get some people who ask me and I just tell them it's I'm wearing it because I'm so fabulous. <laughs> just for that day, you know, like, yep, I'm, I did something really brave or I did something really special. And so I'm wearing a medal to honor myself. <laughs> Most people don't ask, but if they do, you know, I give my honest reply. Um, so life now, I'll take my last few minutes with, um, with how my life is manifesting now. Um, life now is much more smooth. It's a lot less complicated because there's a lot less complication going on in the back rooms of my brain where, um, you know, I'm unsure. My self-esteem now is very high. Um, another gift of the program, I call it the umbrella program because it covers all my isms, you know? So another gift of the program is that um, not only am I direct and honest and uh, I know that I'm a human being just like any other human being. So, you know, I'm allowed to be a flawed growing human being now, as opposed to somebody who is um, in a fake fantasy world, desperately wanting you to believe my fake fantasy world. Um, so now when I step out into the world, it's just me that you get. And I'm so happy about that because it's just so much easier. Um, and another gift of the program is that I, I really do things just for me that are very special for me. And it can be just a private thing that is, is um, meaningful to me. And if other people want to partake in it, that's, that's fine. But I also have discernment about who gets to do that. Um, and that's a pretty powerful, potent place to be coming from when I'm interacting with other people. It's, it's, um, it's a, it is a true, true gift of the program. I have a different relationship to my body now. 
um, I don't weigh myself anymore. I don't consider myself a, a, um, a commodity that needs to be weighed. So off with the scales, it, it makes no, never mind to me whatsoever, that number, whatever that random number is. Um, I'm not a sack of potatoes or a slab of beef that needs to be weighed. <laughs> so that's a huge freedom. And I also really love all the parts of myself. Um, all the things that I considered lacking or, or not, not perfect, I guess, um, from when I was young and, and the things that I learned, I learned from my mom about yo-yo dieting and, um, you know, just a lot of mixed messages with body image. So I w I inherited that, unfortunately. And so now I'm just very mindful about loving all the little bits of me and all, all of myself and I'm starting to explore a lot more um my that relationship to myself um and that includes you know sexuality and sensuality and stuff too and I just love this program because we get to talk about all that stuff we get to talk about the food and that was one of the first things that really blew my mind because I was so used to being one one focused with the other program and they didn't allow for you know outside issues or whatever and in ACA, we're so much more of um, of uh, of accepting of the whole totality of who we are and where we came from. So this is a super special program and a super super special fellowship. At least it has been that way and manifested that way for me. Um, I just can't express enough about that. And I want to say one more thing. And that is that um, in giving service, I have also learned how to set boundaries and limits for myself so that I do it in a balanced, sustainable form. That's a whole, another whole new universe I'm talking about, because I didn't have any balance or sustainability before. So now when I take on service responsibilities, or when I um, when I take on a new sponsee, which I'm not taking any right now, um, you know, I do it knowing that, um, that I also am important. So I don't like overgive or, uh, put myself second. I make sure that I, or at least I try to, you know, to, um, to, do, to take on projects and um commitments that make sense for me and that's okay to do that that's also very very empowering um i know in the past when i got on bandwagons i was all rah 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 and i was like a hundred percent into whatever it was dog rescue meditation um i've done um that PTSD counseling, whatever it was that I was into, like super, super into, uh, I would do it until like crazy and then burn out. And then when I burned out, I would burn all my bridges and like move to another state. So <laughs> maybe identify with that too. I don't know, probably. But now I am able to say, look, I'm important. And so I'm going to do balanced commitments that I can actually maintain. 
And it's really created some very deep friendships and some, um, some really deep connections with people, you know, whether they're going to stay in my life forever or not, it really doesn't matter because we've touched each other at a level that is um, very impactful and profound. And also for that, I'm grateful because my relationships are much more clear and deep and helpful and nurturing to me, nurturing to me, which is, um, you know, what it's all about. So I just want to thank you all so much for letting me share tonight. And um, I think I get to pick a subject for everybody else's shares. And the only thing that really popped into my head pretty strong was, um, was hope. So hope is the subject for, for the shares tonight. And thank you so very much. I love this program. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Melissa. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Melissa, wonderful. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks, Melissa. Great. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa.